How do you tell between healthy disagreements versus toxic disagreements that signify a relationship should end versus spending more time waiting to see if that person changes or things change? Super fantastic question. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. All right. Some of you are watching online. We want to tell you thank you so much for joining us. We are here at the live Q&A with Pastor Roger and Pastor Kathy as well. Some of you maybe don't know, but Kathy is also a master's graduate in theology and youth ministry in particular, and they work together at the Southern Union. And so we're so grateful that you guys are here. Maybe just tell us where do you live? And tell us a little bit about your family. We didn't share that in the, in the introduction about you guys. So, um, so hello. I'm glad to be here. Uh, thanks for having us. I, um, we live currently in Florida in a little town called Mount Dora. And Mount Dora is like 40 minutes northeast of Orlando. So if you know where Orlando is, that's kind of where Mount Dora is. And we, have, uh, we started with a small family. But my husband always wanted to have a lot of kids. And so we have two biological children. My oldest is 26 and my youngest is 24, Vanessa and Jonathan. And my, then we took in two foster girls when they were teenagers at the age of 15 and 16. And they've always been our girls. So they, uh, they're currently 36 and 35 years old and they live in Washington State. Thank you so much. Yep. That's beautiful. So tonight, the Q&A is going to be focusing on relationships in general that you all might have certain questions. You know, there's so many questions that people have that they don't always get to ask. And so it's really beautiful that you two are here tonight. So uh, there are a lot of questions that have come in. And I want to take a moment just to recognize we won't maybe be able to answer all of them. But I do want to give preference to those of you who are in this room. So We'll start off with asking if there are anyone in this room right now that's willing to stand up to share one question. Otherwise, there are like 20 questions that already came in. So right over here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The question is, um, I guess, in pertains to clarification on your first point and your second point. So the first point was to be present in every, like, in the now and not be, like, focusing on the next. But your second point, like, of the second statement, he should, he, she should know or whatever about, like, I guess, putting yourself out there more and letting people know, I guess, that you're interested. What, like, is the balance, I guess, or how are you doing both of just being present in the moment and worrying about yourself and your growth of yourself and, like, what comes to me comes to me and the like oh he should she should know god will bring it to me like mm-hmm. you see what i'm saying yes yeah 
had to ask permission. He's <laughs> <laughs> no, so messed up. I mean, that, since, since you preached that, it, that is clarify it. the one of the most common questions that people have, right? Because there's this theory that, like, God blesses me, but I have to do the work. And then this other theory is, I'm just going to live my life, and then things are going to happen. And I think neither of those is the answer. I think living in the now does not mean you exclude potential suitors. I think what what I'm what I was trying to get across is the importance of specific being specific and clear. Not leading people on or not feel feeling just I I like the attention but I'm not really uh I don't have any plans for you. I have to be clear. For example, if if I'm a male, uh, clarity is honoring. So I, I want to ask you out. Say, would you like to go out with me? Versus like, hey, do you want to hang out sometime? Mm. Uh, you know? So, so I think that if you have... This is called the gift of discernment. Like, nobody wants to rush it and tell the other person, hey, I just saw you, and man, I would really want to have your kids. <laughs> but also, it's like, what, what I see now is, and I see it more in women than men, it's like trying to play so hard, because the standards are so hard to get. Like, I'm never, even if I like him, I'm never going to let anything be known. Just be clear and specific and ask for discernment. And if you feel that a person is somebody that you see yourself, maybe that's what dating is, right? Maybe coming into this relationship. Don't hold back. Nothing forced is ever beneficial. Don't hold back, but don't push it. When it happens, in direct questions, direct answers, Clarity is honoring. Can I just jump in one moment and ask a follow-up to that? There are a lot of girls that come up to me and say, Pastor Philip, I feel as though the guys are passive Mm -hmm. and they are not pursuing. Is it okay if I were to step in there? I don't know, Kathy, maybe you could speak into that. Is it okay if a woman says, hey, would you like to go on a date with me? Is that kind of a dumb, stupid rule, or is that an honorable rule that, that maybe it's ordained spiritually that we have in our mind, or the, the guy has to lead in every single way and asking? Talk about that for a moment. In our, in our case, we, when we were dating, um, when, before we were dating, we were, we were friends, and I was unclear whether or not he was feeling the same way I was feeling. And I remember one day we were in the library studying as friends, and on the way back, he dropped, uh, while we were at the library, we were having a conversation. And then I said, you know, I, I, I like you. And then I said, oh, my goodness. Those words just came out of my mouth because he looked at me like really strange, like, like it was shocking, like I'm not sure I like that. Or, and then I was trying to take back my words. <laughs> oh, but like a friend, you know, like a lot. You know, I, I would never want to mess up this friendship we've got and all of this stuff. And I was trying to walk back, you know, backtrack my words. But I took a risk that night that eventually, literally right after that, he took me to the dorm. He walked me to the dorm, and that's when he 
asked me to be his girlfriend with a parable. And if those of you who were on the other side heard this story, but if you weren't, he basically said, Kathy, I want you to think about the statement. When you go back to him and think about it, he's like, you're like a rock in my shoe. Good night. And I was like, what in the world was that? What in the world? So I went back and I was like crying. I was like, I'm like a pain. I'm a bother. Oh my gosh. I said, I liked him. And then he said, I'm, now that was his response. So I was, I took a risk at that moment, right? To kind of let go of my, my emotions where I felt. But that kind of let the, op- the, like that opened the door for him to also respond that he was feeling the same way. I'm not sure if, you know, if it would have happened. I'm sure it would have happened some other time and and he would have started, but I opened the door for a little bit on that. Mm -hmm. So I would say um, we live in a totally different society that that, you know, it's not necessarily frowned upon anymore like it used to be, like women had to always be pursued. I would say, though, that there is something about the hunt for a man. There's something about, I believe that men still have that instinct. I hope they still have that instinct, right? That they want to, there's something about like pursuing and, you know, like, I know it's terrible, conquering, that sounds terrible. That's not what I mean, but you get the idea of what I'm trying to say, right? Like something about like going after a person and a girl and saying, hey, do you like me? And, and just, there's something about that. Yeah, and you also said um, when we were like very close friends, you said, if I were to kiss you, you would see stars. But I will not kiss you. Oh, that's right. On unless we're dating. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that I think was, clarity, was, yeah. clarity is honoring. Um, I, I think that men. I hear a lot of a lot of uh, conversations with women, especially that men are super passive, and the reason they're super passive many times is because uh, they have been hurt before by somebody who's led them on. And then not really, it's when a man opens up and, and embraces somebody and the other person is like, mm, I don't, don't want to, then they're either try to play every other girl or they withdraw and say, it's not for me. I'm not going to wait till I'm 40. I'm not into dating right now. It's all a mask. Um, it happened to my son. My son is 24, met his, his wife online. Um, and fell in love and great marriage. Um, but he had been hurt by a girl and he was like, he would say to everybody, I'm, I'm going to date forever. I'm not going to get married. I'm not, I'm 30s maybe. I'm, I don't want a girlfriend right now. And then this um, Vietnamese girl came into his life and it was over. Mm-hmm. Right? But they had to work through in the beginning of the relationship these feelings of like, are you going to hurt me like they've hurt me before? So it's good to struggle with that. Um, and I have a good book that I can recommend that will help you through it. But it's, it's something that every single person struggles with. How far do I open up versus how much do I push? What's the book? What's the book? Huh? What's the book? The resource? I am... Um, I can't think of the title, that's why. <laughs> but it's a great book. 
<laughs> All right, we'll get to it. Okay, here's the next question, and we're gonna we're gonna say if you got there are a lot of questions. Let's see yeah. if we can get through a lot of them. Yeah. So maybe we'll, we'll spit it. fire here. Okay. How do you tell between healthy disagreements versus toxic disagreements that signify a relationship should end? Mm-hmm. versus spending more time waiting to see if that person changes or things change? Super fantastic question. Excellent. Um, I think one of the, one of the telling, most telling characteristics is if the person cannot respect your no. Um, healthy people respect no. So that's, a, that's like a red flag, right? Uh, and I think there are some non-negotiables that if those are broken, it's over forever. But there are some things they need to they need to grow in, right? We have some things that no, no, nobody comes in into this without scars. Everybody comes with wounds, mm. right? Uh, so control issues, jealousy issues. Absolutely. Nobody ever gets less jealous when they're married. Nobody ever gets less controlling. Mm. Nobody else. Nobody ever gets less addicted, mm. uh, right? You never be first. Nobody ever gets less of those things. So if that is evident, it's maybe time for some healing to happen before the relationship continue. Mm. Okay. Don't have to settle. Kathy, what if, what if someone keeps saying, why am I not enough for her or him? They keep getting rejected or the relationships just keep ending. Why am I not enough? Sometimes we, 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 we feel that way. We say those things because we feel that about ourselves. So we think we're not enough. And so therefore, you know, even if it has nothing to do with that, we'll say that we're not enough. Mm. Um, often, or if it's not that, sometimes it is somebody who makes you feel like you're not enough. Mm. Like you might, you might say, like you feel like you're, you're, you're you know, good enough person, but the other person has the issue. It's mm. not maybe that you have the self-esteem, but the other person wants to put you down. And that's mm. kind of how they, by making you feel that less than, they feel more, they feel better. Mm. And so it could be that the situation might vary in there. Like, where are they coming from? What is the situation? But if it's various, you know, if that's happening, one relationship, another relationship, then you need to start looking at not so much outside of yourself, but more inside of yourself. Mm. What makes me feel like I'm not good enough, you know? Or, you know, what kind of people am I connecting with that make me feel mm, like I'm not good enough? Mm, mm. Uh, my personal ex- experience is I didn't think that I was good enough. And a lot of it had to do with super bad self-esteem from my past. Mm. I, was, I was abused. I came from a, pa- a home where I was verbally abused, you know, physically abused, sexually abused. Mm. So I had a lot of baggage mm. that I didn't feel like I was good enough mm. And I often, you know, that often came out mm. in my re- new conversations with Roger and so forth. And when he, when he knew I was the one and he asked me to marry him, he said, he, he said, I want to marry you, but I need for us to go to counseling. He said, wow. he, I need for you to go to counseling and I'll go with you. Wow. He said, because you and I are going to have enough problems. And we did. <laughs> we had enough of our own. And, but if, if you, if you don't heal whatever happened to you in the past, mm. that's just going to add to mm. everything that we're already mm. going to go through. Mm. So I appreciate that he didn't leave me alone. Like you got to get fixed and then we'll talk. Wow. Wow. So I appreciated that. I mean, he was in it. Like I, he showed love and mm-hmm. he was in it for the long mm-hmm. haul. Mm-hmm. I also knew that if it didn't get fixed, 
you know, if I, if my, my, my issues didn't get fixed, that this wasn't going to work. Wow. Wow. That's good. And so I, I, I appreciated that. And he took a lot of ugly, like he saw a lot of the ugly mm. that didn't, he didn't deserve to see, mm. but it's good that he saw it in that environment mm. versus married and see the ugly. Mm. Cause how do you deal with that? Mm. You know, you're not a professional counselor. You don't know how to, you know, how to deal with that. So we dealt with all the really ugly That's good. in the counseling. And then when I was married, didn't disappear. Mm. It's always a part of you, but it gets better mm. and you and better and better mm. as you get mm. as you go along. Mm. Roger, what would you say about online dating in the 21st century? People wonder. You said something about your son here. You know, some people are like, "Hey, there are a lot of beautiful, wonderful people here, but I'm just not connecting. Is it wrong for me to go into the online dating realm? How do I keep it kosher there?" Uh, I think that if you look for characteristics in a person. I think that all options are out there. Uh, why would I limit myself just because it's a different form of technology? You understand the challenges of an online dating. I mean, they met online, but they dated in person. Mm -hmm. So the initial connection, it yeah. wasn't that they dated always online, yeah. right? Um, and there's, you know, creeps and, and people who are just you know, present really good looking. And then when you see them, you know, they're bald and 500 pounds. <laughs> uh, but, but it's, I, I, I don't, I think more options are better. I better more options are better than no options. Mm. So I, I, I go into it with open eyes, but it's an option. Mm. I, I have married, um, there's a couple in, in Atlanta, the middle of the, of the pandemic, they, both of them loved Jesus. They started reading together. They connected, right? Both of them were running towards Jesus as fast as they could. And they looked to the side and said, oh, this is, here's another person. And and they got married. They had a child. The great. And they all, they've never met in person. So I I see horror stories and great stories. So it's it's how what you it's make it. Not, that don't, I don't demonize, I redeem. Mm. I don't demonize technology, redeem technology, wow. don't demonize online dating. I like I that. Mean, Thank you. How do you know when someone's the right person that you're going to marry, but you just don't have complete peace about them, but you align with so many of the same values? It's like, um, it's, it's like the cake and eat it too. Uh, so you, you have all... Like what? What do you want? Like, what? <laughs> what, what more do you want here? I think that's the thing. Our generation, at least, maybe it's in the Christian world, or maybe it's just in general. We we have this inner inner peace that measure it. Like, if I don't feel fully set, but everything else is connecting. But I just I don't. Uh, should you yeah. give that much weight? Is it okay? Or I, I guess I, the question is, mm. well, maybe what is it that's not giving you peace? Is it a red flag that's not giving you peace? Or is it your own insecurity that don't? Yeah, give you or maybe you know you had parents who divorced. You come from broken families, right? Mm -hmm. So you think, well, they thought, you know, right? Like when they got married, that it was going to be forever, and then look what ended up happening. And so maybe that's the. I don't have peace. Things mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with the qualities that you're seeing in that person. Um, and there's also a myth that there's a perfect person, yeah, only it's a myth. one. It's a lie from there's the, only one perfect person for you. That's yeah. not, there's a type of person mm. that's for you, 
right? Like I had a type that I was looking for um, and it worked out that I got my type. And it's funny though, when I see other people that are similar to my type, I have a certain attraction to that type of person, right? Like they have a certain way that they look. They, you wait, know, wait, the, wait, 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 what? No, don't act like you. What, what's going on here? Well, this has degenerated into what? <laughs> my daughter says, my daughter, you know, I'll say, I'll say, oh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, he's handsome. Really? You think so? She's like, oh yeah, he looks like that. I can see why you would think that. Okay, yeah. Because I have Fix a it up. <laughs> I have a type, you know, so yeah. I think that you are attracted to a type of person um, and maybe certain qualities in people that you find attractive. And yeah. I think that we, if we say, oh, I only find one person attractive, and yeah. that's, we're all lying to ourselves. Right. But we find it, there's, you know, that, that, so I yeah. think that that, uh, yeah. what is causing, question the what is causing the not to have the peace. Mm. Yeah, it, I, think, I think there's an over-reliance in this culture of like how I feel about stuff. I don't feel like exercising any day, <laughs> but yet I do it because it's good for me. So I, I'm like, what does the scripture say? Um, how to, to have peace? Uh, God gives me the desires of my heart. So, you know, what are the desires of my heart? Um, so when we were started dating, there was a guy uh, who was a mentor who told me, you don't want to marry Kathy, do you? And I was like, no, I do. He's like, you know you don't have to marry her, right? And I'm like, yeah, but I want to. But you know, and this is a spiritual man and a leader, right? So I, I don't take the word of one person. He wanted me to marry his daughter. I... Yeah? Uh, so, he, so maybe I don't feel at peace because who am I having conversations with? Who is telling me... Yeah, you know, those feelings, you know, I got to put them in there for a reason. Um, so I would rely less on feelings and more on, on facts. Facts okay. are our friends. Okay, that's good. Um, when do you decide it's worth the risk to try and go for someone that you're friends with? Well, because you're, you know, there's that fear that you're going to lose out on that friendship or things are not going to work out and it's just going to ruin stuff. How do well, you know when it's time if to they were the friends and you phrase it in a way that like, hey, we're friends, we're going to have a conversation. I just want to let you know that maybe I see you more than a friend. You think there's possibilities? I don't want this to ruin our friendship. You have, you speak the words and then they'll say, well, you know, I don't see you like that. I was like, yeah, if it ruins the friendship, then were you really friends before? Because deep friendship can sustain some turbulence, right? So, so were they really friends? Right? Your, your level of maturity and leadership is going to be determined by your ability of having hard conversations. Mm. We don't want to have, like, this is fear of failure. Mm. This is part, failure is part of the game. It does not feel good. Mm. But if you are, if you never fail means you're not trying anything. If you don't try anything, you never get anything. Mm. So, uh, I would, if you feel this person, we were friends. And then a spark happened, and then we had... So. Everyone, everyone said we look like brothers and sisters. They're like, oh, you guys are like brother and sister. And we're like, yeah, we are. It's so like an Abraham like situation. Friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, all right. Um, what's one thing you wish you knew at the beginning of the marriage that you know now about each other? This is... 
whoever asked that question was a it's a fantastic question. Um, I want. Uh, oh, you want to go first? Or you no, want go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> when when a woman says, "Go ahead, go ahead." It means I want to talk, but now that you're talking, what am I going to say? No, no, go okay. ahead, really. <laughs> I want to see what you say. The one thing that I wish I knew when I, was, when I first got married is not to over-rely on the season we're in. Hmm. Because there are some seasons that are going to stress the relationship, but they're going to eventually be over. Hmm. And if you... If you if you mark your the rest of your relationship based on that season, mm. there was a time, for example, there was very hard for us to have sex, right? Sex is fantastic and amazing, and God created it. Amen. And when we first got married, it was a is an amazing. I want to make sure that you're <laughs> cor corroborating this thing. And then we have kids, and then she's working, and then it's just like. It was like the disappearing act of sex. Yeah. Where is sex? I got because you. when you're married and you have kids, they have a radar. Then when you start getting romantic, they're like, nah, mommy. <laughs> why, why, why are you hurting my mom? No. <laughs> why are you wrestling? We're wrestling. <laughs> and then there was a season and then they went to academy. There was a better season. And then... They went to, they got married and they left the house and it's just like a season. Sometimes we like, we had a bad week. Our relationship sucks. I suck. Everything sucks. Why, why are we even in this? Just the, the, the easy giving up and not working through those hard moments and understanding it's just a season. That's one thing I wish I know. I know then and I wouldn't have That's had good. so much anxiety about the season we were in. That's good. In my case, one of the things that I would have known is I was kind of, um, I created the husband that I had years later. Mm. If I would have expressed my emotions and my feelings truly and sat down and had those difficult conversations early mm. in our marriage, I think I would have saved myself a lot of like mm. internal turmoil mm. and stress and you know, frustration because I kept thinking, oh, if I just, if I, if, you know, I'll just put up with it. Mm. I'll just, you know, it's not that big a deal. You know, I'll just, it's, you know, Kathy, don't, don't get upset about that. It's small, but it, what, you know, small gets bigger and bigger and bigger and just keep going. And so I kept pushing conversations and things off and off and off. I would have, I, if I would have known that he could have handled it, but I didn't think he could handle it. Like he mm. was going to get so hurt and he was, you know, we were, it's going to be, you know, it was going to really damage our relationship. But if I would have known that he could have handled me and would have actually preferred mm. if I would have just sat down and had mm. these conversations early in our marriage, I think that oh, that would have saved me and mm. us yeah. mm. a lot of fighting. Well, the conversation about, well, we had a conversation because, we we thought roles were like she cleans and I bring the money and then we had kids and then she kept doing all the stuff and I I was never a contributor and and then she finally said ten years in listen dude you know <laughs> and I was like what nobody ever told me this uh, but she would have been keep keeping it in mm. uh, that like he should this is the dumb stupid rules right it's like he should know. 
that when we come home and we have two kids and they have homework and I have to cook and clean, he should not come home and sit down to watch the Dallas Cowboys lose <laughs> again. But ladies, shouldn't he know? I'm just kidding. He should know. He should know. Yeah, but, but I culture, did but not Yes, know. because it was the cultures that we grew up in. My husband is Cuban with a very coddling mother that the mom did everything and the boys didn't do anything, mm. right? And I, you know, I grew up in a household where I was the oldest, that at the age of 10, my family fell apart and I became the adult, uh, right? So I'm the caretaker. Yeah. I'm the one who does everything. Yeah. And I'm used to caring for people. So I, know, I love, I, that's also, and my, my, my love language is, is service. I loved to serve him. It was fun. It was my way of showing you I love you. But, you know, I became bitter because I'm like working, got two kids, you know, four kids, cleaning house, you know, a million activities, all this stuff. And what I loved to do, I ended up hating to do because mm. I was becoming bitter. I was becoming bitter at the person that I'm supposed to be loving. You had to learn to speak up. I had to learn to speak Yes, yeah. I did. And I didn't know that he, it, it was better for him to know Mm. From early on, had that tough conversation, and he, you know, it would rattle him for a little bit, but then he would make the changes. That's good. Behind every problem, behind every problem you have right now with your loved one, there is an unmet expectation. Mm. I I expect it. Like, shouldn't you know? Isn't isn't that mm. like normal? Um, so Christ and counseling are, are great. Even if you're single, going to counseling. If you don't heal, one of my favorite phrases is if you don't heal your past, you're going to bleed over people who never cut you. And there's lots of trails of blood uh, because you're jumping in. If you finish a relationship, you should not start another relationship at least for six months at the minimum. Heal, especially if it's traumatic, the ending. A year is... But a year seems like an eternity. But you want the best you. You don't want to bleed over people who never cut you. Mm. But it all started with her past, my past. Mm. We bring the past together. And, of course, mm. it's dysfunction. But God can help us. But a counselor is amazing. Christ and counseling are not in opposition. They actually go That's together. Good. What do you think about age gaps between people? What's too much of an age gap? A guy or girl, 10 years, well, 15? When I was 18, she was 13. We didn't date at that moment, though. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been in prison. Yeah. Our kids always, our kids uh, are like, ooh, that's so creepy, Dad. Yeah, creepy. Uh, I was 25 and she was 20. Okay. When we got married. Um, and, it worked out great. I, yeah. you know, I, he was mature. He already, by that time, he had figured out like what he wanted and didn't want, right? Uh -huh. My son, my daughter and my son-in-law, they were both got married at the age of 21. Mm -hmm. Very young. Both of them, right? Yeah, I'm not so, going to talk about age gaps. No, 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 no. So I'm just yeah. saying. So, But he was mature enough at the age of 21, right? Correct. So sometimes there needs to be an age gap because one needs to, you know, in his case, if I would have met him at the age of 20, I would not have liked the age yeah. 20 guy, right? No, so at the age I of was... 25, he was a little more mature and ready. Mm. So sometimes the age gap works. Mm. And I was way older than me. Than, I was an old yeah. soul, what they call an old soul. So in our case, the five years, even maybe a 10-year gap would have yeah. been good because I was I, an old soul. Most, most issues that I see happen after 10 years. Yeah. 
gets they get after ten years after ten year gap that's when you see the most problems before ten years most of the stuff is is manageable mm. and you don't see it necessarily like when they're younger but as they get older yeah you know like uh unless the you know the older one is a super vibrant like you know very active kind of person but that's where you start seeing it mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you know they're yeah. much older than you their health isn't you know they don't have the energy and yeah I just would encourage people to think about you know, what season are you in and what season are they in? And are you ready to, you know, nurse someone that's younger than you? If they're just starting school, you're ready to explore life and you're doing all the kinds of things that you've been waiting for. And it's like, wow, you're going to have to wait a long time, you know. So the age gap, I, I agree. I don't think it's terrible, but I think it's there's some considerations you need Absolutely. to be thoughtful about. Um, how do you navigate around feelings for a friend who's already dating someone? Oh. Um, th this might vary with different people, but I I um, believe in treating people like I would like to be treated. So I want to respect. Absolutely. If they are in a relationship, I will respect the relationship. If they were to uh, break up because they found some letters... Um, <laughs> Don't listen to him. You still messed up. Don't, you messed what are up. these letters about? Uh, no, he's, don't listen to he's him. He's got another story. Here. No, 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 no. no, no. I, I, I think uh, the principle of respect. I would like if I'm dating somebody for somebody not to like be, you know, uh, running interference or triangulations. So I want to respect that. And I don't want to become, I don't want to take things into, that's taking things into your own hands and trying to force somebody away. Well, she's bad for you. Uh, sometimes what what we repress, we encourage, right? When we when we try to repress that person or or take them away from them, um, it ends up being bad. And if somebody is willing to go behind the other person's back to be with you, they're gonna go behind your back with somebody yes. else. Yes, that's so true. Believe I, it. Oof. In high school, I I'm gonna tell you one quick story. <laughs> the guy that was a good friend of mine dating a girl she was in my year he graduates he's going to college she stays with me senior year they're still dating and I was that guy I got her to break up with him because I told her that I liked him well guess what we leave for college we don't go to the same college she goes to the college where he's at and you know where it goes he starts doing the same thing and I hear about it I'm like wow what was I thinking Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really important thing. If they're willing to break up for you, how do you know they're going to do that later on in your marriage? That they're not going to be the person that's easily tempted by others. So, mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to just ask two more questions. It's been a good night already so far. How do you approach conflict in relationships, particularly in marriage? And how do you navigate through that to a healthier place? We're going to talk about conflict tomorrow. In our, if somebody wants to show up, it's going to be for the good. Sabbath school time. Um, or the no, for the in the afternoon. Okay, in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe but, be a little more brief. We'll jump to two other ones then. Yeah. No, I, I would just say something. There are some things that are foundational and uh, un, unbreakable, right? Like going outside the marriage, violence, threats. Uh, but other stuff, there's going to, you know, 
there's some things that my I made my my wife mad 30 years into it that we're gonna we're still dealing with it. Um, so what are the non-negotiables? I think this is the first thing you have to. This is non-negotiable for me. And then the rest you work through it. How do you know what those non-negotiables are? Well, it starts for me with this with scripture, right? Non-negotiables is this person is faithful, right? This this person is loving. This person is not controlling. This person is not an addict. That that that's the baseline. Hey, let's talk about addiction just really quickly. Yeah, I get I get young adults coming to my office weekly talk about addictions, whether it's pornography, drugs, alcohol, just different things. And sometimes it's two people sitting there together, and it's a girlfriend, a boyfriend, and and they're trying to wrestle through that because the guy's still addicted to porn. He's mm-hmm. you know, how do you how do you counsel someone like that? Do you look at the girl and you say, hey, you better run? Because this ain't gonna stop, or or how do you work through that when someone's maybe having walked through the process of recovery, and the girl's still fearful it's gonna come back? I think that those that try to play messiah, messiahs end up being crucified, and and sometimes when you try to when somebody's addicted you become codependent. I think it's best to be supportive. It's like this is something that you're going to. Because if you marry somebody who's an addict, you will never be first. Mm. The addiction is always going to be first, mm. right? And then you see it all the time. It's so painful yeah. because it's not first. I'm never enough. So how do you like to feel like you're never enough always? So I think addictions need to be worked out without the other person into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I encourage people, you know, this. listen, your dating partner should never be your accountability partner. They don't need that pain of you repeating the addiction over and over. Hey, I just looked at porn last night. <sighs> Again? You know, you need to find another guy that's going to hold you accountable. Secondly, you need to find therapy that's going to be a process for you. But I think in the dating process, this should be something that you get over. I don't think you should walk into a marriage Absolutely. knowing that someone's, A, addicted to pornography, addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, and and gambling, whatever it is, because otherwise... They never experience victory. So you want to help them fall into a space of victory before you say, I do. Otherwise, they will absolutely carry that into the marriage. So last question here. What are the things that have kept you two together over the last 30 years? Honestly, for me, prayer. There is nothing more powerful than you praying for your husband. When I can't change him, when something is like out of my hands, when situations have been difficult, I have said, okay, nagging him isn't going to help. I can't change him. All I can do is I can pray and I can change myself. I can work on me and pray for him. And I've seen God do amazing things. So for me, prayer. Got to lift up powerfully your man in prayer. And I'm sure he does the same for me. But lifting each other up for prayer in in prayer. That so for me that's been like major. And the other thing is, we were best friends before we like started dating, uh, and, and and got married. So there's always that like we're really close. No matter how bad it gets, and it's gotten bad, I'm like, but he's like my friend. I love him mm. deep. You know, like I feel like I'm connected to him. Like, why, why are you hitting me? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like driving those it's nails. Deep. It's deep. So there's this thing that, like, you know, it's just, you know, he's not just my husband. He's like my really close friend. Like, I love him deeply, and I'm not, I can't just let go of that. You know, so those two things for me, you know, he's my, he's always been my good friend. And he's, and I just pray. I got to pray and lift him up. I think uh, for, for me, it's two, two things also. Um, number one, we, we uh, made a conversation that today's problems are going to be fixed today. We've gone to bed three times mad in 30 years. It says today's problems need to be fixed today, even though I don't want to see you right now, but we're going to fix it. And number two, we took divorce off the table. Because if it's the table, if it's on the table, when it gets really bad and it's really painful, there's a very easy option. So it's off the table. It's like we're going to go to counseling. We're going to sleep in different beds. Uh, we're going to separate, whatever. We're going to we'll work on ourselves, but we're not going to get divorced. So we took that off the table. So that left us with open options of, like, let's work this out. And number three, she's, she's fine. <laughs> 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 you married a beauty. She, hey, now some people are wondering, how do I use my relationship for the kingdom? You two have been doing that, and you've been a blessing. How do I use my relationship to bless God's people? How do I do that? Leave that with, with us here tonight before we go. I think that um, in a world that devalues commitment, um, your lifestyle is convictional. You don't have to go around judging people and telling them you shouldn't do it. You just your lifestyle is convictional. So when when somebody when two people love each other and they're faithful to each other, um, there is attractiveness in holiness. And I think that, that that level of commitment, I think we all crave somebody to love us and for us to to love and be loved. So I think you can preach without preaching by loving well and, and telling, making sure that the people who are around you understand that it is possible. One of, one of the things that happens now is because it's like, yeah, you, because you were lucky. And uh, marriages work. Uh, and it is difficult, but it's worth it. It's worth you waiting for the person um, that as you're together, with one, you can show Jesus. What do you think? And I would say, um, be real. Uh, I, I, when I was little, my, my mom was like, Dad, in, in, front, in everybody's eyes, my, my parents' marriage was like the model. Yeah. Was the model home. And little did they know, it was falling apart. Little by little, more and more. So when they split up, it was like this huge, like, what in the world? Like them? If it happens, you know, so I would say, you know, don't put up a facade. Um, if, if you're real without being like overly like sharing too much, like you don't want that's that's not good either. You don't want to overshare like stuff that you're like, oh, did I need to hear that? No, you don't want to overshare. But just be real with people. Um, don't act like you are better than them. Um, if they and be there, I guess. A lot of couples are looking for some other couples to come alongside them and kind of like help me, like mentor me. Um, you know, what what did you do that worked for you? Or, you know, what are you doing that's, you know, that, that can help counsel me in this area? 
So if you're willing to be vulnerable with people and share things that have worked and just listen, oftentimes, you know, couples who are struggling want, you know, another couple that maybe is doing well just to listen to them and hear them out. So just being available for those, I think that that's a great way to like use your marriage for that. I love it. That's awesome. If you find a couple that you really like and care for, say, hey, we're going to bring dinner over and we're coming over to your house to bless you. We just want to spend some time around your family, ask you some questions while you're there. It'll be so worth it. Roger, Kathy, thank you so much for your time. Can we give Thanks them a round staying. of applause? Thank you for staying. Good questions. Great questions. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. in the Praxis Room or come at 10.30 straight into the Fellowship Hall. Love you guys. Blessings to you. Thank you, Pastor Jamie, for having this amazing couple here. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.